With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. On today's episode, we've got a little Sunday recording for you guys, given the uh, big news, if you haven't heard already yet, uh, quarterback Jack Cohn, uh, multiple reports coming out that he uh, suffered a foot injury and is out, what they put as indefinitely, um, so not really a timetable on it, but it sounds like a significant amount of time from everything that you can see, so we'll get into that. It kind of flows into our depth chart. Um, well, you know, we, we planned on saving that discussion um, for Monday and Wednesday or Thursday's episode um, because of Joe Rudolph and Jim Leonard talking to the media on Friday, so we figured we might as well wait and, and do that kind of next week. But with that, we'll, we'll probably do the offensive depth chart today. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Jim Leonard and Joe Rudolph's comments a little bit. And, uh, and of course, we'll talk about the significant news uh, on this Sunday morning. Uh, probably the first time we've recorded on a Sunday from what I remember. Uh, At least in a while. Yeah. It's, I know we recorded a Saturday, uh, our emergency pod, after the Illinois loss. Um, we might have done one other Sunday, but uh, we, we figured – we both weren't busy. I was out at brunch when we were like, you know what, we should probably do something. So I, we found a gap in the day, and we decided we better uh, talk about it. But Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Obviously, the the news is is quite somber around uh, the program right now, just because Jack Cohn was your QB one, your unquestioned leader on the offense, and it's a significant blow. But I think. Overall, it's a beautiful day out. Uh, got a day without the Packers on a Sunday, so it kind of opens up the day a little bit. So I'm excited about that. How you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm good. You got to take advantage of that uh, that Packer bye week and that, uh, or when they're playing on Monday to to go around and, and do some stuff and not have to worry about missing out on anything. Um, so that part is nice. Uh, went and got some brunch this morning at a new new spot uh, in Madison. Uh, so where'd you hit up? We went to that everyday kitchen over uh, just like just off university. I think it just opened in the last couple weeks or so. It was very good. Chicken and waffles. I highly recommend uh, nice. going and checking that out and got some coffee and then came back and I said, well, got to run out to some stores later. But I was like, well, we were going to try and record the podcast. Let's just do it now because there's some uh, significant stuff to talk about. So we'll go right into the Jack Cohn injury. I know you. we were talking about it before we started recording. Um, you saw rumblings of it late last night. I was uh, out at – we went to a dinner with my family last night and got home late, and then I slept in because we got home late. So I didn't see the news till this morning uh, when I saw your tweet, and I was like, oh, man, uh, 
something something significant has happened. I didn't know what it was, and then I uh, kept scrolling, and, and it seemed like every tweet on my timeline uh, was in regards to the Badgers and, and, and Jack's injury. So uh, not a lot of, you know, sources have, have came out and said, you know, indefinitely not sure the injury or the timeline, but it sounds like it's going to be a little while here. So what did you make of, of that report and, and just how devastating of a blow is it to the Badgers? Well, I, I think it's it's definitely critical uh, to the Badgers' success. You look at all the comments here. I know we're going to talk a little bit about what Joe Rudolph had to say, uh, but you know, between Joe Rudolph, you had Garrett Groshek, you had Nikia Watson, you had guys specifically talking about the progress and the way that Jack Cohn has looked this offseason as a guy that's kind of taken that next step potentially um, as as you know the unquestioned leader of the offense, and to now just a few days removed to see that he may or may not have broken his foot or had some sort of significant foot injury. That is definitely devastating. Um, You look at just everything going on with COVID and the college football season, all it takes is um, one guy in a quarterback room getting sick and all of a sudden you're down. Uh, You now are uh, a little bit thinner at the quarterback position. Obviously Jack Cohn was going into the year as, as your QB one and that's, that's not uh, something that you want is to, to not have that guy that you had planned with. And uh, especially just three weeks out before your first game to, to have that. I know a lot of people wanted a quarterback controversy and boom, here we are. Uh, we, we got a, we got a competition um, underway and it's not necessarily the time or the way people wanted it to happen. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, for, for Jack and in that situation, because I think you and I were both, and we were talking about it in our Slack channel uh, with all the other B5Q writers this morning. A lot of us expected, you know, kind of a big year uh, from Jack Cohen. I know that he, he gets a lot of doubters sometimes, and uh, usually they're not super warranted, um, but they're, everyone was kind of expecting, I think, uh, you know, in our, in our conversation for for him to have a big year, you know, coming back as a senior, understanding of the offense and, and, you know, a big good progression from his sophomore season into his junior. You kind of hope to take at least that same, you know, similar step up, you know, every year as you as you progress. And now uh, that that water, it gets a little bit muddier with uh, with the entire quarterback room, the entire quarterback situation. And like you mentioned, it's, it's heightened when, you know, without Jack Cohn and if something happens with, with COVID with one of the other guys and, and next thing you know, you're a snap away from maybe, you know, from Danny Vandenboom being working in the You drafted action, so. Danny Vandenboom, remember now that? Now my draft doesn't look as, as crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's a significant blow. I mean, when you look at uh, across the country, I think you've seen um, teams that have had, you know, uh, a returning head coach, a returning quarterback, uh, for the most part, have had success. You know that, that that's not something that you have to try and break in uh, without spring practice, and and now that hurts the Badgers. Uh, you know, thankfully they have a coach and an offensive coordinator and a system in place that uh, the others in in Mertz and Wolf and in Vandenboom will know. Um, you know, kind of what they're doing in the offense, but you can't replace game experience. And Jack Cohn, by far and away, has. Uh, the most of that, so that's a significant injury and a big change that the bat that the Badgers will have to battle through, um, you know, over the course of this uh, next three weeks. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at kind of we talked about the progression that he's made after that sophomore year, where he's kind of thrown into things, he started more games that sophomore year than 
Jack, I mean, then uh, Graham Mertz, who is most likely the the candidate to replace him, has played in college so to this point. And we remember kind of how um, Cone had kind of hot and cold days that, that season. You, I remember vividly that Northwestern game where uh, it just nothing seemed to work. We saw turnovers. We saw all sorts of things. Um, luckily for the Badgers, that was on, hey, a week's notice that we've mm. got to get this guy's ready. He, he is our he's going to be the starter. And but then the other the other side of the coin was you were also knowing, hey, well, eventually Hornybrook's going to come back and it's still his job. You look at now and I, I think the Badgers need to prepare of Jack Cohn's not coming back this year. Now there's a good chance he might at some point or another, but you need to prepare like whichever guy you go with, whether that's Jack or whether that's Graham Mertz, whether that's going to be Chase Wolf is the guy and and going to stick with it, tailor the offense to whatever tweaks you're going to need to make to fit fit them and, and go from there. I think you look at, as a team, they're already trying to replace two, two or three of their biggest productors last year. When you lose JT, you lose Quintus Cephas and A.J. Taylor. So there was a lot of already, a lot of shuffling already going on. You then throw this into the mix, and that is definitely alarming, and, and hopefully the Badgers can rise above it because they have talent in the quarterback room, but it's still guys who haven't played a lot of snaps. The Badgers have, I, I think it was something like seven total games played between, uh, I take that back, five total games played between Graham Mertz and Chase Wolf. So that's 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 not a lot. And once again, Jack Cohn started more games that sophomore year than those two have played combined. So there's there's definitely um, a shakeup in the apple cart after this news. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot to. Uh, of course, it gives opportunity to some of these other guys that I know a lot of fans are excited about. Graham Mertz, I've I really love Jack, and I thought he was a good quarterback, and I think he was going to be great this year. But I'm excited to you know see Graham Mertz a little bit, but you didn't want to see it happen uh, in this way because uh, you wanted you know, Jack to come out and, and have a strong senior season. You know, he was looking at. Uh, I know some people won't won't buy into this thought and logic, but looking at if he had a strong senior year, that there were NFL conversations for him. He's a smart kid. He takes care of the football, and if he progressed along, uh, I, I think he could have worked in that conversation. So now it's uh, definitely a setback um, for him, and it changes a lot in the in the quarterback room, and now you get to see um, you know, the works of, of, of Mertz or, or Wolf, uh, maybe Danny Vandeboom uh, surprises with, uh, with that cannon of an arm he's got, but either way, it's a significant um, piece to to try and replace because that was kind of a, a strength the senior quarterback. You know, it'd be different if if the Badgers had you know Quintus Cephas and Jonathan Taylor and you could lean on a running game. But like you tweeted out this morning, they're replacing you know wide receiver one, running back one, and now QB one. So it's it's going to be a work in progress. But like uh, you kind of mentioned already, at least they've got some time to prepare for that, get it ready, and and get a new guy, you know, up in the bullpen and, and warmed and, and ready to go for that Illinois opener because it's uh, just 20 days away now. So it's, it's getting closer and closer. Um, but they've got plenty of time to uh, figure some stuff on the offensive side of the ball out. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's, they're in a precarious situation that because it's so close, with three weeks, we, we talked a little bit about that. Oh, it gives you some window. Like it gives you some time to prep a guy, get him really ready, and for the player to know I'm the guy. But that 
that means that you've got to have the guy picked already. Like that that mm-hmm. requires that Paul Chris has got to make a decision pretty much now that this is the guy. Um, I know that there was talk last uh, last spring, last winter, uh, around the Rose Bowl that that Mertz was ready yep. last year. That if against Iowa he damn near started, that they were prepared when Cohn was dealing with some injuries, that Mertz would have gotten the start. That he looked looked the part. He that they trust who he is. So it, you, you've got to think that it's probably him. But at the same time, if there is any lingering doubt of who's going to be that quarterback and they need to, to spend an entire week here trying to flesh that out and figure out who's going to be the guy, I, it, it's going to it's going to be um, even tougher on the staff. So I think you've got to look at it. You usually do um, start the game prep. I think it's two weeks is what Paul Christ has usually done. Um, you know, you start looking at um, prep two weeks out before that first game. I think you're going to have to do that, and you're really going to be focused on trying to get the the primary quarterback, whoever it's going to be, as many reps as possible. But what's hard is you also need to make sure that you have your backup ready because of this damn virus going on that you don't know if, say, it is Graham Mertz, all of a sudden he, he gets COVID, God forbid. Then you are looking at a 21-day incubation period where you've got to go with somebody else. So it's there's a lot to uh, parse through here, and hopefully – Hopefully none of those um, things come come up for the Badgers. Obviously, they've already lost two of their best players and starters this this uh, off season now with Cohn and Reggie Pearson. Hopefully, it's good news from here, and and hopefully the staff, um, it, when we have the opportunity to talk to talk to them, are, are extremely high on Mertz and that they feel like he's ready because I do think it's going to be him. Otherwise, I think there there's too many other variables at play that can swing things in that quarterback room if he's not the guy. Yeah, it would be a, a certain sticky situation to, uh, if it isn't him and, and a lot to parse through. If it isn't, I would have to imagine it is going to be him and, and hopefully you can get him in there at, at practice and uh, get him as many reps as he can with the first team. You know, you don't want to have to split reps if you don't have to. If he's your guy, uh, let's go. Let's buckle the chin strap and let's see what happens. But uh, well, that kind of breaks down, I think. You know, we were going to go into the offensive depth chart today or on our Monday episode. This kind of starts us nicely uh, with the quarterback room because I think that was the, the leading news anyways. And, uh, you know, up until 24 hours ago, we would have kind of said, you know, Jack Cohn's your starter. Uh, Graham Mertz is probably your backup that gets worked in some time, which we've kind of said all offseason. Now we've got a new quarterback conversation entirely. Uh, but I think if you're looking at it right now, um, you had to put money down. I'd say it'd be Mertz and Wolf and, and Van and Boom behind him, uh, but certainly some shakeup. And we uh, we we hope uh, and wish Jack Cohn the best as he uh, you know, recovers from whatever um, injury it might be and forever how long. Um, we we wish him the best, and we'll we'll see how it goes here for the quarterback room. But it transitions us nicely into the depth chart conversation. Uh, we'll we'll start with we we had Joe Rudolph on Friday. He talked a lot about a lot of different positions, so. Maybe we'll start with what you took from his comments, and then we'll kind of go uh, through the rest of the positions. So, what did you uh, what did you make of of his presser on Friday afternoon? I thought it was pretty informative. Uh, he 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 generally kind of tells it how it is. He's he's not gonna mince words. He doesn't hide behind uh, behind facts and whatnot. So, I, I thought the things that really popped out were him talking about Logan Brown, kind of his development, um, talking about how that he's a guy that 
really pops sometimes and makes you like, whoa, this this kid's ready and, and can really play, but that he's, they're still looking for a little bit of consistency from him. Um, so I think that's encouraging for the future at left tackle because I do think he's going to be your, um, right behind Cole Van Lannon. Um, I also thought that when he talked a little bit about the tight ends, um, talked a little bit about Jalen Ferguson as a guy who they anticipate, uh, you know, in the mix, probably as more of a pass catcher. Um, just got to get down the blocking aspect of it, which, I mean, is understandable considering he just was playing off, um, outside linebacker and played quarterback in high school. But then Hayden Rucci is, is the guy who basically said he's going to be your blocking tight end, which which is your inline guy, which is such a vital role at the Badgers. And, um, you know, he also just talked a little bit about Jake Ferguson and Isaac Arendo as guys that, that uh, he, he, he thinks are ready to have big years. Um, so I think all in all from Rudolph, that was – Definitely positive, positive things. He he spent a lot of time talking about Jack Cohn as well, which not so positive when you're not looking at the the shakeup that just occurred. Yeah, I, I took a lot from his comments as well. I think he did a good job of kind of hitting on every position, and uh, you know, I, I got really excited when Neil was opening uh, about Isaac Grendo. I know you're high on Isaac Grendo as well, but he talked about you know kind of the big play potential from him, which was nice to see. You know, touched a little bit about Nikio Watson. I think you know. What you get from him, but uh, he, he only kind of broke down that uh, Nakia Watson is ready to go. I know. I think there's been a lot of uh, discussion about Isaac Arendo. I You see the potential from him as a player, but I think Nakia Watson is sitting there saying, "Hey, I'm still, you know, wanting to be the guy and and ready to you know take that next step." He's been behind Jonathan Taylor now. Um, so talked about him, but I I agree with you. The tight end room. I mean, uh, we've done you know a little bit uh, you know a little bit of off-season talk with positions. I think tight end is uh, a position that both you and I have had our eye on, you know, behind Jake Ferguson. He, you know what Jake Ferguson brings, and, you know, Rudolph talked a little bit about um, the, what he brings more as a leader, but you know what you're going to get from him on the field uh, as a pass catcher and as a blocker. But, you know, Wisconsin is is, is usually going three deep on, on a tight end, so you're going to need two more guys. And I, I thought Hayden Rucci could be a guy that – is uh, you know a physical blocker that could essentially be an extension of the offensive line that can also catch the ball, and uh, he looks like he could be a guy that's ready to go. So uh, I like that he touched on all the uh, different positions because it definitely gave you a little bit more of a clear picture as to what you might see uh, out in the field here on, on the 24th. Yeah, and I, if he, he also talked a little bit about the wide receivers. Uh, first guy he talked about was A.J. Abbott and, and mm-hmm. really the positive step he's made and uh, how pumped up he is about them. And then also talking about um, what he thinks of, of Chimre DK, who's another guy who's one of the youngsters going to be trying to work his way into that 2D getting, getting snaps on the field, which I would think, especially in a year where you don't necessarily have to worry about eligibility concerns, both those guys are going to probably play. And um, I'm, it's unsure of how much they're going to play, but they're going to definitely play. And I think that's uh, a good thing, especially when you look at you're going to most likely be graduating four seniors after this year. Yeah, yeah who knows? You might see a field of uh, you know, Graham Mertz, Chimre DK, and uh, Jalen Berger all out there at one point. You know, the youth movement is certainly looking like it could be something uh, coming a little bit earlier with Wisconsin with uh, – with now the injury news and the the eligibility, you know, kind of free reign on that, you can work a lot of different guys in there, and it'll be interesting to see and uh, exciting to see some of these young guys 
uh, get their chance because if you if you follow Wisconsin football recruiting, you've, you've known about these guys for a couple of years now, and now you might get to see them on the field. So, uh, yeah, it was a good press conference from, from Rudolph, and we'll kind of – that'll segue us nicely into the rest of the depth chart chalk for the offensive side of the ball. Um, why don't we go ahead – we'll get our ad reads out of the way first here, and then we'll uh, talk about the rest of the offensive positions because we've already kind of hit on – a quarterback. So we'll get those done and then we'll hop into the rest of the offensive talk. All right. So we, we could reiterate, uh, we were, normally would have started with the breaking down the depth chart for the quarterback room uh, to begin with. Uh, we already kind of hit on all of that. You, you think it's going to be Mertz, right? I do think it's going to be Mertz. Um, I, I would be surprised. I know Chase Wolf is a guy that is is underrated. I think uh, you know from what we saw last year at practice, uh, good quarterback too. But I think just the the highly rec- you know recruited Mertz, he sounded like you know you mentioned it a little bit earlier uh, last year that he was ready to go and was ready to step in. The brief flashes that we did see, you know, like in that Central Michigan game, he did look crisp, and uh, you know uh, another year of of maturation I think will be good for him. So I'm I'm putting my, uh, you know, if I'm putting a bet down of who it's going to be that's under center uh, for that opener, uh, I'm going to say Graham Mertz, and I'm, I'm thinking you're thinking the same thing. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you look at um, the, the fact that he is probably the closest comparison to Cone that you have on your depth chart and that what he can do right now as a pocket passer. I think if you went with Wolf, you'd have to tailor the offense a little bit to something completely different because he's more of a dynamic runner. I I see a lot of times in practice where if the read isn't there pretty quickly, Wolf tries to run. And that's not necessarily what the Wisconsin offense is built around right now. You've got some some established wide receivers returning as well. I think you go with uh, go with Mertz, who is kind of a plug and play. You you try to try to make the offense as as friendly to him as possible. Uh, last year, the Badgers threw it on average 24 times, a little over 24 times a game. Um, I'm interested to see how those splits change this year because. Of of having a different quarterback, uh, I I know that those numbers are inflated a, a smidge, just simply because um, Cohn had to throw 30 plus the last couple games uh, when they were when they were down and when it was kind of a crunch time. But I think what's nice is with the Badgers' schedule, they have a little bit of wiggle room to start off um, with with not having to pass the ball quite as much. Hopefully, um, against Illinois, um, just. I, I think though that it's it's going to be really really one of those things where the next week you're going to Nebraska and that's that's going to be that's going to be uh, a game and and so you really got to hope that whoever it is who I, and we both think it's going to be Mertz comes out firing right away and doesn't give any questioning of of he's the guy um, and and I think that would go a long way in in securing and in establishing some some positive vibes for the team moving forward into that second week. Yeah, it's going to be important to, to come out. And, you know, like I said earlier, you don't got Jonathan Taylor. And we, we kind of expected the Badgers to throw the ball a little bit more anyways. Um, but now you're going to have to throw it with kind of a new face, um, whether it be Mertz or Wolf. I know we both think it's going to be Mertz. But uh, whoever it is, is is going to maybe get the chance to sling the ball a little, around a little bit more. You've got some strong receivers You've got some experienced receivers that you can maybe lean on, and you've got uh, some some good pieces on the offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to see you know how that uh, quarterback room shakes out. But I think we're both in agreement that it'll be 
Graham Mertz as QB1 uh, for that opener, and uh, hopefully he can come out and shine and, and put any doubters uh, to rest uh, on that situation. Yeah, right, running. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say one thing that's that can't be undersold here as well is if if the Badgers like say Chase Wolf is the guy and Graham Mertz isn't it, like you're setting you're that's a pretty bold choice and it it set it could shake up your depth chart down the line in a major way where you're looking at possibly having some kid eventually transfer based off of this competition between Mertz and Wolf. And you were hoping that that would be a year away from now, but it's it's right now. And if you go with Wolf because he gives the staff thinks he's got the better chance, there's a real chance that you, who knows if you, if Mertz sticks around because his clock's ticking. He's wanting to play, and he would only have one year behind behind Wolf if if that was the case. And if if you lose him, you have a three year span from. T- breaking between the 2018 class and then the 2021 where um, Deacon Hill is, is coming in without having a quarterback. And yeah. I just have a hard time seeing the staff, you know, not not go with Mertz. Partially just based off of I think that Mertz is probably the more talented quarterback, at least from what I've seen in practice and what you've seen. But it does. it's also like you got to think beyond this year. And if you know he's the guy you want to be your quarterback of the future, you got to run with it now. Yeah, I mean, you you coaches will say, you know, they got to earn it on the field. They've got to put it out there. But there are, you know, more outside factors in play. You know, you look at uh, the quarterback position especially. You're hitting on hopefully one uh, a class, and usually it's not even one a class that maybe you project as a, a full-on starter. Uh, you know, usually you go after a guy like Graham Mertz one year, and they – then you take a quarterback maybe the year after that you, you like, but you know, certain kids aren't going to come to certain places um, if, if they know they're going to sit behind another guy. So the quarterback room is a little bit different where there's a lot of other factors in play, and I think uh, part of that certainly goes into this decision where I think uh, it's time to let the reins loose on Graham Mertz, and we'll see what uh, happens from there. All right, well, whoever it is at that quarterback spot is going to have uh, some fresh faces to hand the ball off. As well, um, we've talked a little bit about Isaac Garendo um, and his potential. You know, uh, Paul Chris talked about it last uh, week on his presser as well that him and uh, Watson and, and Groshek are, are going to be the three guys that they lean on uh, for the most part, uh, or especially early in the season as some of the other guys uh, get ready and are, are kind of new to it. So I don't know if there's something that you could say who's going to be our you know number one starter, our bell cow. I think it's going to be a little bit different where you're going to have more of a committee approach. But what do you make of the running back room and uh, who do you think is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put this hypothetical, who do you think finishes the year with uh, the most carries out of that running back room? Whew, that's going to be tough, yeah, because yeah. realistically, I think, I know that we've heard statements that they're, they're going to lean on three guys. That was quoted um, when when uh, Paul Chris talked, but he also did talk about Jalen Berger and what he could be as well. So I really look at it as four guys. I don't mean to dismiss Julius Davis here, but I do think that Jalen Berger is a different type of athlete mm-hmm. than um, what the Badgers have at any other position at that running back room. Um, I think Garendo is going to get a lot of run. Uh, I think Watson is still probably get your, your most carries at least to start the year. It's hard for me to pick somebody like long term here because mm-hmm. I do think Arendo and Berger have the highest potential. 
out of that room. So I think Watson will most likely be your your guy. But you're looking at Jonathan Taylor. That the team last year ran it on average 42 times a game, or 43 times per game, nearly 44 times per game. So that's a lot of carries to go around between, even if it's just these three. I, and I expect that you're gonna, they're going to try to get Berger the ball in his hands at least three to five times a game in some way, shape, or form. But I would I would anticipate that Watson will get the most carries. But I do think that Groshek, when push comes to shove, will be on the field. When when it's like real crunch time, when you got to trust the, who you got out there, I think it'll be Groshek. He only averaged three carries a game last year. Um, and I, I would anticipate he's closer to 10. Watson's probably like 15 and then Garendo's probably closer to 10. I think that's that's kind of how you do that. And then you've got another 10 to divvy up between fullbacks and Jalen Berger. I, is kind of my guess at how things would be distributed between there. But um, what do you think would be like the, the like, if you had to do a one, two, three in the depth chart? I, I would think, I, I would probably say that you know, Watson's going to be your number one to start. But I, I don't want to say it's a short leash, but we've, We've lit, last year Nikia Watson was supposed to be your number two, and of course you had a dominant number one where you you wanted to get him as many carries as possible. But there were times last year where Nikia Watson was in there where you you wanted to probably see more from him. I'm not trying to knock him by saying that we didn't see a lot from him, but you know, as a as a guy who was gonna you know Wisconsin, you've got these situations where you know Melvin Gordon was going to take over, and you you didn't really necessarily doubt his abilities or anything, you thought, oh, next year Gordon's going to get way more carries and you're going to be in fine shape. I don't know if we necessarily saw that from uh, from Nakia Watson last year. And, uh, you know, I know Jonathan Taylor got almost all the carries, especially down the stretch, but it's it's something to take into consideration, uh, especially early in the season. So I think he's going to be your number one to start. But if the offense isn't clicking, if you're not uh, getting the explosiveness out of the running back position that you want, I, I think it could be a guy that is, is you know, Garendo or, or Jalen Berger that get, you know, worked in there more, probably more so uh, Garendo on that aspect. You know, you talked about the potential uh, on Friday for him. I think it's there with the speed, the athleticism. Uh, so I, I could see him getting, you know, worked in there. And then Groshek, uh, you know, he's been a third down running back. I think he can do more than that, but he's still kind of a, a certain situation with him as a player. So I would say, you know, Watson won to start. Maybe Garendo two as a as a pure uh, running back, but then two B being Groshek that he kind of just brings a, a different kind of Swiss Army knife aspect to the running back position. Yeah, I can get down with that. I think that's fair. Um, I, I think it is going to be fascinating to watch um, who eventually takes over the lion's share between Watson, Garendo, and Berger because I do think. Gar- Groshek is going to still stay in, in kind of that niche role. Um, it might be expanded a bit, but I do think it'll still be a niche role. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. All right, well, we'll get into the the next we'll, – we'll talk about the offensive line because that'll be the guys that are opening the holes for whichever running back gets that uh, carries. I, I know in terms of the offensive line, there's some moving pieces. You know, you've got your established left tackle in Cole Van Lannan, um, which is important. You've got some other guys that you can work into, you know, your guard positions. I think the biggest question mark, um, you know, coming into the next three weeks is probably going to be who's your center. But what do you make of uh, the offensive line? Do you have any, you know, a, a five-guy combo that you would maybe think is, is going to be your starter in that week one? 
Yeah, I, mean, I think there's four that are pretty set in stone yeah. that if the staff got to choose, that's the way they would go. I think you'd have Van Lannan at left tackle. I think you'd have Lyles at center. I think that's what they want um, and what they're hoping for. I think they'd have Bruss at right guard and Beach at, at uh, right right tackle. But then I think that left guard position where it's it's I think you're gonna see a rotation between Josh Seltzner and, and John Dietzen. I think what Dietzen can bring to the table is gonna be um up in the air. And so it's it's gonna be tough to kind of you know, pontificate about which one of those guys is gonna get most of the work. But I think those two are gonna share the left guard position. Um but I do think Lyles would be the center if if the staff got their wish uh, on this one. Yeah, there's certainly some other guys that'll be uh, competing for that spot, but I think if you had those five um, and, you know, Dietzen uh, getting worked in there as well, you've got a pretty solid offensive line, and I know they talked about uh, seeing flashes from Logan Brown as well, so you've got some depth at uh, the offensive line position, but I think the the five that you said, if you could you know, plug those guys in and, and have no doubts, and then uh, you, know, you know one of them being a rotating spot with maybe Dietzen getting in there, uh, depending on where he's at progression-wise, it's it's a lot. You know, of course, he's a sixth-year guy, so he knows the offense, but physically he's still you know working back and getting back into playing shape. So uh, a combo of of those six with you know kind of four set in stone and, and working the uh, five six guys in there, I think would be a solid unit. That uh, you know I know there's some experience that might be lacking a little bit, but it's still a Wisconsin offensive line. Most of these guys have played a good amount of football. So I, I would, you know, I don't worry too much about the Wisconsin offensive line. I know there's some question marks this year, but I still think they'll be a strong unit, and, and those five would would be a great way to lead the way. Yeah, what what do you make of behind them? Because I, I do think Van Lannan, the the Seltzer Dietzen is probably going to be your left guard combo, and then Lyles Brust Beach is, are your starters. But then behind them in that two deep. Who do, you, who do you think are some of the other guys that are going to be um, sliding in behind those uh, set-in-stone starters or the guys that they hope are their starters? I mean, well, I'm if Lyles gets the center position, I think you've got guys, you know, like I, I liked what I saw last year from Cormac Sampson blocking as a tight end. You know, where he's at size-wise will be the 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 big question mark. Uh, totally. You know, if, if he's a big, bulky guy that can work into – Another one of those positions, I think he could be a, a really strong uh, offensive lineman here. Um, whenever he gets to his shot and, and he's ready to go, I think he's going to be a really – because you saw last year how physical of a blocker he can be. Um, you know, Smithback's a good player too, Joe Tipman. There's there's a lot of guys behind them that haven't gotten as much attention. And then, of course, we talked about Logan Brown a little bit. So I think there's plenty of names where uh, if you had to, you know, a, a guy get worked in because of, God forbid, someone got COVID or, you know, offensive line injuries, you know, and – happen, those guys get banged up, or eventually they're going to have to go to some of those other guys. So there's maybe not as much ex, you know, playing experience or, or name recognition with some of them, but uh, there's a lot of good names behind them in that group of, you know, Samson, uh, Smithback, and, and, and some of those others that could get some run. Yeah, and I think, I think if there was an injury, which is where the, where the guys behind them come in, become so important, I think Logan Brown is your backup left tackle. I would assume mm-hmm. you've got the or probably between Seltzer and Dietz and Sharon, Sharon reps. You've got guys like, like you mentioned, um, Cormac Sampson, I think is going to be your backup center, but then at, you know, behind Dietzen and Seltzner and Brust at guard, I think you've got guys like Michael Furtney. I think mm-hmm. Joe Tipman could be in the mix. Um, but then, it's really a lot of freshmen 
behind yeah. that. And and I doubt that there's going to be a lot of freshmen that are really ready to play. I know Trey Wedig and Jack Nelson come in with, with really high hopes, you know, high four-star. In Nelson's case, a five-star in, in some cases. Um, a lot of pub. And I think Nelson will be fighting for that backup right tackle spot with with a guy like Tittman. But but I do think that if there was an injury to either of your tackles um, or or guards on the right side of the line, I think Brust is probably going to pop out to right tackle. You pop in Fertney to guard or um, or or move Dietzen or Seltzner mm. if if they if they can be cross trained. I think both of them have really focused that left guard though. So I think you're going to see a lot of shifting if there was an injury on the right side, whereas on the left side, I think it's more kind of plug and play. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with Joe Rudolph, too, is he's going to get, you know, if there is an injury, he's going to move it around and and try and make it uh, work where you can get your best five on the field, you know, given what's available to you. Uh, he's always been a guy that has, has been high on that, you know, that you know, essentially as a Wisconsin offensive lineman, you've, you've kind of got to know, you know, what you're doing and where you're moving at all, you know. You know, you talk about in basketball, you got to know all five spots on the floor to run the offense. Kind of the same with the offensive line, where you got to know all five spots on the line and be ready to move around if, if something happens and you got to get shuffled around. So uh, I think they've got a good group, and uh, I'm excited to see what combination Joel Rudolph comes up with. But I think uh, the five that you kind of laid out uh, is a strong starting point uh, to begin the year. All right, we'll go off of the uh, offensive line. We'll go into the tight end room. We talked a little bit about it already. You know, I, I don't think there's any debate here that Joe Ferguson – is your number one uh, as a pass catcher, no doubt. You know, could be a guy that, you know, if money's if you put money down, you know, Jake Ferguson's going to be uh, a heavy favorite to to probably lead the team in receptions, uh, given where he's at been at the last few seasons. Uh, so I think he's your clear cut starter. Uh, but you know, at the tight end position for Wisconsin, it's much you know, there's much more um, you know depth that is needed other than just a, a strong pass catcher. You know, Wisconsin does a lot. With, uh, with that position. So who are the guys that you think uh, are going to be on the field behind them uh, this season? Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming that Ferguson will be on the field quite a bit as, as your primary guy. Uh, hopefully not quite as much as last year where he basically never came off the field um, due to the, just a lack of depth behind him. But I do think that um, he, he's going to be your, your primary guy there, I think Jalen Franklin will get some H-back run, whether they split him out, whether they have him offset. Um, he, he's a guy that I do think they're going to try to use. I don't think you make that move, like we've mentioned, unless you really do think that he can help you out in the passing game and that you're trying to add weapons um, to to bolster kind of your wide receiver and tight end room. Um, then at that inline spot, you know, I think Rudolph going out and definitively saying Hayden Rucci is going to be that guy is is pretty pretty big time. I think he would have seen more time last year if he wouldn't have um, hurt his arm or shoulder mm-hmm. at, at that one point in early in fall camp. So I think he's going to be a guy. I think Clay Cundiff will probably get some reps too. Maybe you'll see a guy like Cam Large if if he shows that he's ready um, to see some snaps. But I but I do think that um, the move to a Franklin to that H back role kind of um, hurts the chances for a guy like um, a Gabe Lloyd or a guy like um, Jack Eschenbach to see the field as much because it, it kind of clears out some of that tight end room a little bit and and focuses them in on maybe those four top guys with, with when you add in Cundiff. So I think Rucci, Franklin, and Ferguson are going to see the most time with Ferguson obviously being your, your number one dude. 
pains me to hear you say less uh, less time for Jack Eschenbach, as everyone knows. <laughs> uh, we are at Jack Eschenbach. Uh, Runs like a damn deer. <laughs> uh, so that was that was a tough one to hear. But no, I think you you hit the nail on the head um, with that room. I'm excited to see what those guys can bring. Uh, you know, Rucci is is a really strong player. I think if uh, if if Franklin can learn the offense and, and learn the tight end position and catch up to speed, I think he could be a, a strong candidate out there. Of course, he's he's very athletic. You got to be athletic to be an outside linebacker. Um, so that could translate really well to the tight end room if he can get caught up to speed um, in the time that he needs to. So exciting to uh, think about the potential of that room and, and where they're going to be. And, and who knows, maybe we'll see some run from some other guys, but I think those are going to be uh, the guys that you see the most of early on uh, in the season. And, and who knows, maybe more guys will get worked in. Uh, Wisconsin likes to use a lot of tight ends, but to start it's going to be that group. Uh, I, I agree with you. So. We'll move on from that. I oh, will say the, the the possibility of a tight end middle screen to Jalen Franklin just Ooh. has me hot and heavy over here <laughs> just because I think back to Owen Daniels and and um, Kendricks when, when the Badgers did that so often when they were, you know, those are guys who are more of pass catchers and they, they really use that to death and, and had so much success with it. And I, I think you put the ball in his hands at 6'4", 222, and he can run. That That's what you want, and I think that that's a, a nice wrinkle that I hope that they bust out at some point this year. Yeah, you got a new quarterback. You, the screen is your friend, so it'll be nice to uh, see that in action. And the first time it does, I'll be thinking of you. I know uh, we won't be able to sit in the stands, but uh, at least I'll, as soon as I see that screen to Jalen Franklin, I'll probably shoot you a text and say, there it is. You know, we've been, <laughs> we've been waiting for it. So, <laughs> All right, we'll move out to the, the final offensive position, the wide receiver room. Joe Rudolph. Don't forget fullback. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. How co- I'm going to get shunned by our listeners. Uh, <laughs> We're the number one fullback podcast, and you that just is said true. no to the fullback. Uh, I, I, but we're going to just edit that out. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, we'll do the receivers, and then we'll touch on the fullbacks as well. Um, you know, the, the receiver room is is strong, uh, a lot of experience in there. Of course, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor uh, kind of set you up with two of the positions, I think, if, if Pryor's getting the run at the, the slot position that you expect him to. I think the real question mark is, is who else is going to be out there with those two, um, and you've got Jacob Ferguson who will give you a little bit of a deep threat, but you're going to have one more receiver position that's going to need to get a lot of runs. So whether it be uh, you know a guy like Adam Crumholes, I think Jack Dunn is more of a slot receiver, so he maybe works in there with Pryor at that position, but you're going to need one more receiver, and it looks like um, from what Joe Rudolph kind of said, it, it might be A.J. Abbott at that other position, but where do you see um, you know the direction going for that wide receiver room? Yeah, I think you 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 brought a clear picture in there with talking of kind of what the Badgers bring back. I do think Danny Davis is going to be your number one, especially on the outside. I think KP or Pryor will probably be playing a lot of slot, but they'll probably also use them um, on the outside as well. But but then I really think um, behind them, I think Crumholtz and Abbott will probably see similar amount of time and in, in, in run out there. Crumholtz is a really good blocker, and, and so is Jack Dunn. So I think they will be used a lot in those situations, whereas Abbott more might be leaned on more as a pass catcher. So I, I think the a three three headed monster of Pryor, Davis, and Abbott would be a nice uh, threesome out there with with mixing in Crumholtz and Dunn at, at times to give Pryor and Davis specifically a blow. 
out there. So I think that's your top five, and I do think that Chimre Dekale, I'll see the field as well. I don't think that uh, – I think – I specifically think because he enrolled early and there's no eligibility concerns with, mm-hmm. with your losing four seniors likely, depending upon however eligibility happens – for next year, I think that you want to see DKC on the field now because he's probably um, a guy who's going to get some mix in the slot. I do think Bracey could be another guy who could get some run mm-hmm. um, and could make it so that uh, maybe you don't have to play DK as much. But but I think that's those are the main guys. Maybe Taj Mustafa gets in the mix as well if he can be more consistent. But I think those top five that we mentioned, the four seniors, A.J. Abbott, and then maybe um, D.K. and Bracey are, are, are the main guys that they focus with. Yeah, I would think you, you know, the other part of the wide receiver position is you're going to have a guy that you're going to look to in the end-around game. Um, you know, that's a big staple of the Wisconsin offense. Uh, and in last year it was kind of, you know, a Garendo or uh, Aaron Cruikshank, you know, who's going to fill in that role as kind of the hybrid. Yeah, um, and Pryor gets that a lot too. Yeah, yeah. So he'd be a one, and then maybe you could see – I could see DK being put into that position a little bit. Uh, he's got good speed, and, and maybe with the, the athleticism of Garendo, maybe he takes that spot already because he's kind of a, a hybrid role. But uh, there's there's a lot of different positions that Wisconsin receivers can be used in, and they've got – uh, a good collection of names where I think uh, the the guys that we hit on will be the main um, ones that you'll see on the field quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, want to move over to fullback, wrap this thing up? Let's do it. Let's touch on the most important position on the field, despite me forgetting um, them uh, originally. Uh, two really strong guys uh, in the fullback room, I think, uh, in terms of flexibility and, and you can use the, the both of them in in a lot of different ways but what do you think of, of is there any guy that you think has a, a certain game that you will will see a lot of, of the field this year or is it going to be kind of a rotation between uh, uh, both of both of the strong uh, fullback options for Wisconsin I think both Stocky and Chanel will see the field quite a bit I do think we saw Stocky get more play as the season wore on last year because I think he he showed not only as a as a runner but also as a pass catcher just kind of what he could bring that that diving catch at Minnesota mm-hmm. just will always be seared in my memory because it's not always that you see diving you know fully extended fullbacks diving and catching a ball like he had there so that gave a, a kind of a nice sight of what he could bring to the table but I think he'll be probably your number one guy Chanel see a lot of play as well and um, carries as well as as a blocker. Um, I think because you have a guy like Hayden Rucci, you might not need to use Chanel quite as much as you did. Um, but then I, I do think Quan Easterling will, will get his, his um, time on the field as well in specific packages when they when they try to go three fullbacks. Um, I know we saw that kind of that diamond formation last year. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, I think that would be great. I, I just I'm really excited to see what the Badgers cook up on offense when you have this change of quarterback because it, it's got to be a little bit different and there might be more creativity, there might be less creativity, but I think the fullback is a position that gives the Badgers some flexibility because you have so many good options to choose from and to help you out in, in different areas and, and as not only as blockers, but also as um, receiving threats. Yeah, they've they've got a lot of athleticism, a lot of physicality in that fullback room. Uh, you know, Quan Easterling. If you, if people haven't seen him, I know he was battling injury last year. Only got in for um, that Illinois game, from what I remember. Um, but he's he's a big kid, uh, a physical kid, physical you know guy that can can really 
uh, paved the way for whatever running backs get in the carries. So a lot of options in the fullback room, uh, which would be good for Wisconsin to uh, decipher some things up uh, in many different ways. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed the Sunday edition of the podcast. Uh, you know, of course, we weren't planning on hopping on, but uh, when that injury news broke, we, we felt it would be appropriate to get on there and get this episode out uh, as quickly as possible. Um, so we hope you enjoy. We'll be back with you later in the week. Not sure what day, but we'll do kind of the same conversation on the other side of the football. Jim Leonard talked a little bit um, about his different positions, so we've got plenty to get to uh, on the other side of the ball as we uh, work ever closer to the 24th with the start of Wisconsin football season. So as always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.